Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. Good to see you guys. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. All right. Somebody use that one. I'll be all right. (laughs) Glad I looked. Well, it's good to be with church family. It's uh, always a lot more fun to preach at at home with my my church family than other places. I'm especially looking forward to talking about, thank you, sir, talking about what God's doing and God's timing in different seasons in our life. Uh, James only told you part of the story about how he asked me to come um, preach and about this series, Authentic. He said, you know, just preach. Exactly like I said, just preach what's on your heart, man. Whatever God's doing in your heart. I said, yeah, I think I can do that. And he says, like, for example, Carvin's is going to preach. And he's going he's gonna to talk about how he's on Hamilton and, and how, you know, his passions and his burden line up with his mission and Hamilton. And so, you know, just, just something like that. So here I am thinking, <laughs> what a setup. Hundreds of people are paying hundreds of dollars every freaking night to go see this guy sing and dance. And I promise you will not see me sing or dance today. Um, but seriously, it, it really didn't take too long for me to realize what I wanted to talk about, what God is working on, what God is doing in my heart, and the thing that I think about most often right now. And that's this whole idea of transition or different seasons that I am going through or will be going through. Um, current and upcoming changes in my life, new seasons. Some of these seasons I embrace, man. I'm excited about it. I can't wait for them. Uh, other seasons, I just kind of want to put a pause button on them. They're not bad. I'm, I'm, they'll be good, but I'm just not ready for them. And there's other things that I'm just like, I just want to hit the delete button on this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. You know, I'm ready to get, get, get this one out and over with. I don't want to have anything to do with it. But we all have them, right? We all have these seasons. All of us are in a season, and we experience different seasons within our life. Some of us, we're going to rush to them, and we're going to describe that season as, you know, a joyous time, a happy time, a good time. But then there's other times we're going to come into the season, and we're going to be frustrated. We're going to be sad, and we may even be angry at God for putting us in this season. Right now, I'm I'm kind of in this season of the calm before the storm. You know, the calm before the storm. Last week, we had... uh, uh, we had the big bomb cyclone coming up, right? And when the, the news was talking about this big storm and this big fury that's getting ready to hit the Northeast, there's this sense of anticipation in the city. You see people going and getting their groceries. You see people getting excited about it. You know, as a family, we were just, I think it was Wednesday night or Thursday night, we were sitting in our home. My, my girls were watching their phones to see if school was going to be canceled. You know, just, do you think it will be? No, probably not. This is New York City, but it's supposed to be so cold and all these things. And, and I go down to the bodega and I get some food so I can make chili, you know, because I know I'm going to be home. They may go away, but I'm going to be home, and I want some warm, hot chili on this cold day. Uh, we pull out a game called Exploding Kittens, and if, listen, if I'm going to play anything that has the name kittens in it, it's got to have something like exploding on the front end of it. So we're playing this game. We're having fun. It's this anticipation of this storm. There's some excitement about it. We knew this thing was coming. Um, and then that night, I hear the wind start howling outside. 
And I kind of opened the, <laughs> opened the window a little bit. You heard that too, huh? I opened the, the curtain a little bit. And we have like terrible insulation on the back half of our building. And there's literally like an H and thick piece of ice on the inside of my window. And then my dog is kind of whining at the foot of my bed. And you know how committed you are to your dogs when there's a bomb cyclone outside. <laughs> and it's about 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and you've got to take them for a walk. And that's just hitting my face, you know. And, and I felt it the next morning as I'm walking in this 50-mile-an-hour wind, trying to take the dogs around the block to do their business. But right now I'm in a, that season before the storm. I'm in that season that, of anticipation, knowing that new things are coming to our household. Let me give you a couple examples. One and probably uh, the biggest immediate change that Jen and I are thinking about all the time are, uh, is our family, our family family. Uh, dynamics changing a little bit. Uh, for the past 12, almost 13 years, we've been a family with five people in our household. Five, me, my wife, and three little girls. And in about six to seven months, our oldest will probably go away to college. Another year, don't, mm, that's awesome. Yeah, amen, that one. <laughs> so I think you guys, I'm not, I gotta do some def, different inflection now. No. In about another year, my, my middle daughter We'll be going off to college. And poor Missy's going to be just us, you know. It's just the three of us in the next year and a half. And my wife and I, we'll literally, like on Friday nights, we like to sit and watch TV and watch a movie. And we'll talk about, you know, like how awesome it's going to be when there's no kids. That's just kind of the season of life that we're in right now. You know, we'll go to, we'll go to the DR. We'll hang out. You know, who cares? They can come back for Christmas. They can go to their parents, grandparents. We don't care. But that's the... That's the season. We're, we're looking forward to it. some anticipation. Now when I know it comes, it's going to be different. But uh, here, here's another season I'm entering. James had mentioned a little bit about my work. I work for a national church. I work for this national organization. It's a church planning network. Um, and I recently took on some additional responsibilities. And so my, my focus has moved from the metro New York City, which I'll continue to do. But it's just been expanded. Now I focus in on the whole Northeast. Uh, before I had a team of two volunteers, now I have a team of 35 staff members. And so just the travel, the time, the job knowledge, getting to know all of these different things that I'm going to have to learn. I just know for the next, I've, you know, I've warned my wife, the, like the next six months, I just don't know what this season of life is going to be like as I learn everything. that I just don't know what I don't know right now. Uh, one more example, this that hit me. Uh, over Christmas break, we traveled and we visited family to my house and my wife's parents' house. And we, we saw our, our parents and it just kind of hit me that my parents are aging. You know, they're, they're getting older. Uh, their age is, and their health is different than it was five years ago. And so it just got, I mean, nobody's like critically ill or anything like that, but it just got me thinking, what's this next season look like for us in the next three to five, maybe 10 years? What's that look like for us? And as we try to be good children to aging parents, it's a new season we're entering. And these are just three examples of seasons that I know that are coming. I know that they're, they're on their way. And, and there's always going to be other surprises that come along with it. There's going to be different seasons that God moves me into, even ones I don't even anticipate. But here's the good news for you and me. The Bible talks about the mysteries of time and the mysteries of the different seasons. And by embracing what Scripture teaches us about the seasons in life, we can have the stability that the unstable times bring because we can have the confidence that we have a clear God. We live in unstable times, but we can still have confidence when there's not clarity. 
here's one of the truths I think that we should know. God will change the seasons in your life when he's ready to change you. God is going to change the seasons in your life when he's ready to change something in you. He loves you too much to leave you in the same place. So he's going to constantly disrupt the things around you and change the seasons in your life. We're going to start off in Ecclesiastes 3. It's a book that was written by Solomon. Solomon was the son of David, King David. He's actually his second son. Solomon's older brother was conceived in an adulterous affair, and then David committed murder to hide this adulterous affair. And as punishment, the first son died. So King Solomon is the second son, and he one time asked God for wisdom and God was pleased that he asked for that uh, a gift that could help others rather than just serve himself so he gave him wisdom and he became this very wise man um, and so in Ecclesiastes 3 Solomon writes writes this he says he says this there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven uh, something to realize right here. He said there's an occasion for some things, a couple of things, most things, no, everything. He's saying this is everything, not just the parts of our life, but everything that we go through in our life. In a time for every activity under heaven. That word activity, uh, the Hebrew word used there, it's a little bit odd for him to use that one. It's one that's not used nearly as much throughout the Old Testament. It has this idea of delight. So replace that in a time for every delight under the heaven. So, but then he's getting ready to go to a list of good and what seemingly are good and bad things. And so he's saying it doesn't matter the circumstances. There's still a delight in that. So these are from heaven. Every activity, everything you go through under heaven, under the authority or the appointment of heaven. So we're getting ready to go through a list. And, and what God is saying is these are appointed from me. I'm sending them to you. And there should be a sense of delight in those. So there is, there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven and a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a, a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid, avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. And a time for war and a time for peace. So historically when we've looked at um, when I've seen people interpret these verses or talk about these verses, it, it, it's read as a list of random things that happen in life. That yeah, I understand, I've had this or I see this, and they're just these random activities or these random seasons that happen in life. But, but what this list really is, it's a list of things that God will send our way. It's a list that God will put of, of seasons that God is gonna put in our, in our path because these are from under heaven, they're from his authority, this is hard for us to think about this list as, as a list of things that God will send to us is difficult. But think about it more as ingredients. 
to something that you're getting ready to make. In our house, it's usually chocolate chip cookies, you know? You've got flour, you've got salt, you've got baking soda, you've got some vanilla extract, you've got some chocolate chips, all these things. And we mix them all in a bowl to produce something. Um, Think of this list as, as those ingredients that God is mixing together to serve a purpose in your life. Think of it as making cookies. He's going to mix the flour with the sugar and the salt. This is tough, though, because those ingredients by themselves, with the exception of maybe the chocolate chips, you know, by themselves, there's not a whole lot of great taste to them. The sugar's even a little bit too strong by itself. But when you mix them together, it produces a product. And so this is a list of ingredients that God is going to, to put into our lives so he can produce in us what he wants to, something that is tasteful and satisfying. We would rather take this list, though, and see it as a buffet that we get to pick and choose from. We get to pick and choose from. I came from the suburbs, and I tell you, when I come to the city, the thing that I miss is there's not a whole lot of buffets around here, (laughs) right? I think it's the health code, the New York health code. They just don't like that. So there's not all these buffets around here. But but on a buffet, you pick and choose what you want. I'm going to take a little bit of laughter, but, but hold the weeping. Uh, can I get a double portion of the building because I live in Brooklyn and I want that, you know, I want the big space so I can sell it later, but hold on to the dying. I, I just don't have a taste for it. Give me a little dancing. I am white, so just a little bit of dancing. I like a little bit. You know, that's it. That's all I got. I, and, and give me some embracing, but I don't want the war. If you're a hoarder, you want to keep, keep, keep. If you're a clean freak, you want to throw away, throw away, throw away. See, if I could choose from this list, I I would choose all the good things that I wanted. I I would choose all the good things and none of the bad things. None of the things that are difficult. None of the things that press into my life. None of the things that, that challenge me spiritually, physically, emotionally. But God loves you. God loves me too much to let that happen. See, people who are never challenged, people who never mourn, people who never experience death, people who are never questioned, people who seem to get everything that they always want, they become some of the most self-centered, ignorant people in our world. And they live in a fantasy world. And they become some of the most angry people and some of the people that we don't want to be around with, that we don't want to deal with. And God loves us too much to let that happen to us. Nobody likes the flour by itself, but you can't have the chocolate chip cookies without the flour. Here's what you need to know from these verses. There is an appointed time for everything. So expect God to be with you. God ordained it. He appointed it. It's it's under his ruling that, that you're going through a season or you're in the middle of a season or will be going into a certain season. So don't you expect that he's going to be with you through that. It didn't catch him off guard or by surprise. God is using the good and bad seasons in your life to change you into the person he wants you to be. But he's with you. He is by your side. In, in some seasons we feel most alone and most vulnerable and most abandoned and sometimes even especially by God. But those are the times when he is still with you. In the, in the Old Testament, there is a, there's a, a guy named Joseph. He's a young man who, he was a daddy's boy. He was daddy's favorite, and Joseph liked to tell all of his brothers about it, that he was daddy's favorite. 
And dad made him this coat one time. And he gives him this coat. And Joseph liked to flaunt this coat. He'd be like, hey, you guys, you see my new coat? You like this? Where's your coat? Oh, dad didn't get you a coat? He got me a coat. I must be his favorite. So Joseph was that kind of brother. And he was also the youngest. And he also had this talent for interpreting dreams. He he was a a dream interpreter. But he had a really bad habit for not knowing when to use that and when to just be quiet about it. Um, And and so, like this one time, and and we read about it in Genesis 37, he goes to his brothers and he says, like, listen to this dream I had. I'm I'm reading, listen, you can't make this stuff up. He said, listen to this dream I had. There, there we were, just binding sheaves of grain in the field. And suddenly, my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. All right? That's the kind of brother that he was. And his brothers were like, what? Are you saying that we're going to bow down, that you're going to rule over, that we are to worship you? And this would happen Time and time again. So the brothers got tired of this one day. So they came up with this plan to kill him. Uh, But one of the brothers, fearing God, said, listen, we can't kill him, so let's just sell him. Let's sell him to slavery, right? Because that's a lot better. And God's like, okay. (laughs) Thank God you didn't kill him. because So so they take his jacket and pour all this animal blood all over it, and they told his dad that he was killed by a wild animal. So Joseph is in slavery now. And and we're not sure how long he was there, but we know it's been a long time. We know he was in slavery for a while. And while he's there, I wonder how many of those nights, how many of those days he wondered, where are you in this, God? Why have you left me? Why am I suffering all alone? Where are you? But in Genesis 39, verse 2, while he's being captive, while he's in the middle of being a servant, he said, the verses say this, 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man serving in the household of the Egyptian master. God was right there in the middle of the season with Joseph. He was going through a tough season, but God was with him. And Joseph had this brilliant mind. He had a business mind. So he ends up serving the master of this household, a man named Potiphar. And he serves him so well that Potiphar just keeps uh, elevating him up the the ladder there. And eventually, he's basically running Potiphar's house and business. He's basically in charge of everything. And Joseph was a young, attractive man. And he draws the attention of Potiphar's wife. And one day, she had taken all she could. and, And so she throws herself on him and tries to seduce him. But Joseph wants to have nothing to do with this. He said, you know, how can, I, how can I betray my master and sin against my God? So he runs out of the room, and in the craziness of the situation, she grabs his shirt, and tearing his shirt off of his body as he flees out. Now, in that day, when there, are, there is a, a debate on a story, the master's wife always wins the argument always wins the argument. And so Joseph was, was convicted of rape and, and he was thrown into a prison. So things went from pretty bad to, to worse. Think about the different seasons that he's gone through. 
He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He's falsely accused of rape. And now he's sitting in this prison, in this dungeon. He has gone from a son to a slave to a power of position to, to a prison. Surely God left him the second time around. Maybe he was with him in the first season. Maybe he was with him in the transitional period. But now God has had to abandon him. About 20 verses later, when 19 verses later, when uh, Joseph is sitting in the cell of this prison, uh, convicted of rape, it says this, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph, and he extended kindness to him, and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God has placed you in a particular season to change something about you, but he is with you. He's put you there, and he's come right along beside of you in this season. He has not abandoned you. He is not leaving you to face this all on your own. I, I think our tendency is to, to project the changing seasons of our life with the changing God, but God has not changed, and he will not change. His love will not change for you and has not changed. It is enduring and continues. Hebrews thirteen eight says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is with you. If you expect unchanging happiness in a changing world, you're, world, you're always going to be disappointed. But if you can wrap your arms around that there's this unchanging God in a changing world, then you will always, always, always be satisfied. He will always be enough for you. Let's keep reading here in Ecclesiastes, uh, the second part of this, this uh, section that Solomon wrote. He, he, he writes this in verse 9. 9 through 11. What does the worker gain from his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given, people to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate, or some versions, translations has, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also put the eternity in their hearts, um, but man cannot discover the work of God has done from beginning to end. Not only is there time for a time for everything that God has ordained so we can expect God to be with us, but there's also a purpose for everything so that God can change us. There is a purpose for everything, so expect God to change us. Um, There is a purpose behind all of the joy that we go through. There is a purpose behind all of the sorrow, the mourning. There is a purpose behind the gain that we have, the loss that we have. There's a purpose behind birth. There's a purpose behind death and laughter. There is a deep, enduring purpose, and it's so that God can change you, so that God can mold you. He loves you too much to keep you in the same place. And and as you experience these seasons that God has set up for you, he he changes your appreciation, and and you're all for him. In verse 11, it says, he has made everything appropriate in his time. Like I said, that word can also be translated as beautiful. God has made everything beautiful in its time. That is, God's timing is perfect. It is beautiful. Beautiful. So everything that that you go through, the joy, the sorrow, the love, the loss, the the hate, the silence, the noise, all of this stuff, it gets put into this bowl and mixed together and it produces something beautiful in the end and something joyous. In this story of Joseph, uh, we'll finish that. Joseph said, as, uh, as I said, he had this gift for interpreting dreams and he was able to do that. And one day while he was in prison, and it said that God was still with him. He was in prison, and uh, the, 
the prison warden started putting him in charge of other prisoners. And there was two new prisoners that came uh, from Pharaoh's court. One was a baker and the other was a cupbearer. And they had these dreams. Each had their own separate dreams. So they go to Joseph and and Joseph interprets for them. And basically he he tells the cupbearer, good news, in three days you're going to be restored back to Pharaoh's court and you're going to serve him. Baker, bad news for you. In three days you're pretty much going to be killed. Uh, and, And it's over for you. Well, this came out to be true, and it happened. And he re- asked the cupbearer, he said, remember me when you're in Pharaoh's court. Well, one night the Pharaoh had this dream that was terrifying to him, and no one could interpret it for him. So the freed prisoner, that cupbearer, remembers Joseph in that prison and tells the Pharaoh about Joseph. So Pharaoh calls up Joseph and tells him about this dream. And in this dream, there, there are seven fat calves, then fat cows, excuse me, and then they are devoured by seven skinny cows that come along and and eat them up. And Joseph says, well, here's what that dream means. There's going to be seven years of of abundance, uh, you know, of producing crop and and grain. There's going to be seven years in the country of abundance, but then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine and drought. And having this brilliant mind and this business mind, he says, here's what I would do. I would for seven years build up the storehouses and start saving the grain, saving the food, preparing for the seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh put him in charge of all of these things. And sure enough, there was seven good years followed by seven bad years. And in this time, uh, Joseph just kept rising in ranks. And he, he wasn't Pharaoh, but he was like his second man. If Joseph said it, it happened. It was good. And he was put in charge of overseeing and distributing the extra grain during the time of the famine. And during that time, his brothers, the guys that sold him into slavery, the guys that, that started this chain of events that, that put him in prison, that had him accused of, of rape, that caused this pain, misery, and stress in his life. For maybe 20, 30 years, we have no idea, but Joseph sees them coming, and they go to ask him for food. And they didn't recognize him at first. And Joseph's like, hey guys, remember me? Remember what you did to me? And you would think at that moment that, that he would just be angry. And just with his very words, he could have had them killed. He could have had them punished and thrown into prison. Anything he wanted. Yet he recognized God's bigger purpose in this, this series of events. And he loads them up with food to send back to their home and to his father. And he says, you planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present results, the survival of many people. What you had intended for evil, God had intended for good. So God was was involved and allowed for decades this imprisonment and slavery. He did not stop the pain and injustice in Joseph's life, but a nation was saved because of it. I wasn't going to use this in my sermon, but I realized that in this message the, the, the good part about that is we see the outcome, right? We see what happens. So there's a sense of satisfaction knowing that, that through all of this pain and suffering that Joseph went through, we see and he was able to see the purpose in it. But that doesn't all, always happen. All we see is what we're in the middle of in God's work. We, we don't always get to see the end of it. Uh, there's a man in the New Testament, his name's John the Baptist. John is an incredibly, incredibly faithful man. 
He, he was born of a miraculous birth, basically. His parents were old and, uh, and barren, never had children. And in an old age, his mom Elizabeth became pregnant with uh, John the Baptist and gave birth. John the Baptist heard the audible voice of God. He followed God. He gave up wine. He gave up many foods. He gave up comfort. He gave up a home. And he committed to eating locusts and honey, wearing animal skins as clothing, and just wandering homelessly so that he could proclaim the good news that is to come. He, he, he was setting the way, preparing the way for Jesus. In fact, he became so popular that people would ask him, are you, are you Jesus? Are you the one? And he said, no, 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 there's, there's somebody coming after me whose feet I'm not even good enough to wash. I, I, I'm not even that kind. He's so holy. And so he lived with this incredible obedience. In fact, Jesus would say this about John the Baptist. says, of woman, no greater man was ever born. Of woman, no greater man was ever born. And then John would go around proclaiming this good news and uh, he, he, he started getting himself in trouble with King Herod because he started calling out King Herod for his sinful ways, mainly that he was having an adulterous affair with his brother's wife and, and other things, but uh, uh, that did not earn him a whole lot of respect in the kingdom or from the, uh, at least from the leaders of the kingdom. And, and so he was taken and thrown in jail and locked in jail. So the greatest man ever born of woman is locked in jail. He gave up, he lived with a, with a commitment to spreading the good news that, that I can't fathom, giving up so many things and so that he could be obedient to God. But he's sitting in this prison and he's in this new season before where he was bold and courageous and knew exactly why he was doing it and what, who he was doing it for. He comes to the season where he starts doubting. Have you ever been in that season? You ever been where you start doubting? And, and that's where he was. And so John summoned two of his own disciples. He brings them to him. He says, listen. He says this. He summoned two of his disciples, and he sent them out to the Lord. He sent them out to Jesus. And he said, ask this. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? Because, you know, you told me to baptize you, and I did because you, I thought you were the Lord. I've seen the miracles you've done. I've heard the stories. I've been doing all of this because I thought you were the one. But now I'm not sure. So are you the one or should we look for someone else? In verse 26, and this is Luke 7, it says, when the men reached him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we look for someone else? At that time, Jesus healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many blind people. So they go, Jesus, our, our, our leader, John, wants to know, are you the one or is there another coming? Because he is in a season, he is doubting, he just, we're not even sure any longer. And Jesus said, just watch this. And, and so he heals these diseases, he, he wipes out plagues and, and evil spirits, and he, he gives sight to the blind. And then he replied to them, he says, go and report to John the things that you have seen, those things that we just talked about, and the lame walk, 
Those with skin diseases are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. So he says, listen, go and report to John the things that you have seen and the things that you have heard. And so they have this list of things that they have seen and things that they have heard, and they they take them back to John. And John says, so, is he the one or should we look for another? Well, John, we saw him heal the blind. We saw him raise the dead. We, we saw the lame walk. We heard that the, the deaf heard, uh, that the dead were raised. The poor are told that the good news is here. So we saw and we heard all of this stuff. Now, in Isaiah, Isaiah um, 51, well, all throughout Isaiah, but there is this list of things that the Messiah will do. There's this prophetic list, and in that list there are things like the blind will receive their sight, the lame will walk, those with skin diseases will be healed, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised. Now John the Baptist, in his faithfulness, would have known the book of Isaiah by heart. He wouldn't have had to pull out scripture. He would have known it word for word for word. And so as Jesus is going, or excuse me, as the disciples are going through this list, John the Baptist would have been, check, that's it. He is the one, check, that's in there. Check, that's in there. Check, that's in there. And then they're done. This is all we have seen and all we had heard. And John would have been, is there anything else? Did he say anything else? Did you see anything else? No, you know, I'm going back. No, that's it. This is it. But in Isaiah 51, 14, it talks about that the prisoners will be set free. And then right about that time, John would have heard the door opening as a soldier comes down the stairs And he's thinking, this is it. They're opening the door. They're letting me out. He is the one. There is no other. He is the one. And he gets yanked out of that prison cell, taken upstairs. And all around him, there's this huge party going on. And he's probably thinking, this is a little odd. But this is it. I'm getting ready to be set free. I'm getting ready to have everything that I hope. The Messiah is here. I'm going to experience him and the freedom from this prison And right about that time, he would have been thrown down on a table and his head would have been cut off and his head ripped from his body and put on a platter. And Jesus says, I am the one and there will be no other. The backstory to that is that King Herod's party got a little bit turned up that year. It was his birthday. It was his birthday and his young niece did a seductive dance for him. And being stimulated visually by what he saw, he promised this young little girl anything she wanted. He had all of his friends around and he was trying to impress them. And she's so young, she didn't even know what she wanted. So she goes to her mom and says, what do we want? And she says, I want John's the head. John's head served on a platter. And that's how the greatest man ever born of woman's life ended. And Jesus said, I am the one. There will be no other. We have to have the confidence that in the seasons of our life that God is with us, that he is unchanging, even when it doesn't make sense to us because all we see is what's in the middle of God's work. We don't see the end story. So what do we do with all of this? What do we do with the fact that we have an eternal God that sits on the throne and directs the different seasons in our life, yet he is with us, and yes, there is great purpose 
and we get that and we understand that. But the question still is, you know, what do we do with this? What, what do we do? How, do we, how does this help us in the midst of whatever season you're in today or we'll be going through? Well, let me finish reading the verses in Ecclesiastes uh, 3, verses 12 through 15. It says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats, drinks, and enjoys all of his efforts. I know that all God does will last forever. There is no adding to it or taking from it. God's work so that people will be in awe of him. Whatever is, has been, and whatever will be, already is. God repeats what he has passed. So here's what we're supposed to do. It's simple. It's your simplest takeaway. You'll probably remember it, and I hope you don't forget it. It's two words. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. We just have permission in the seasons of our life to enjoy life. I think sometimes we walk around and we, we, we think, oh, woe is me, and I can't enjoy these different things that God has given me, good or bad. But we have permission right here. It says enjoy life. When, when you've got dollars in the bank, enjoy life. When you got pennies in the bank, enjoy life. When, when you're eating and drinking with friends at your, at your favorite restaurant, enjoy life. For my introverts, when you're eating at home in your apartment with a slice, right? Because the night before you ate with your friends and it was fun then, but oh, enjoy it. Enjoy life. When, when all is well with your family and kids, enjoy life. When you're ready to send your kids off to college, enjoy life. You know, all of these things. When you're single, enjoy life. When you're in the season of, of, of being married or getting ready to get married, enjoy that season. And don't let the anticipation of the next season be so great that you can't enjoy the life that God has right here in front of you. The message of Ecclesiastes 3 is this. Jesus is telling, telling us that I am with you. There is an eternal purpose. Rest in knowing that I am in control. Rest in knowing that I love you. He is saying, yes, it hurts. Yes, it's difficult, but I got this. He's saying, yes, it's painful, but I got this. Yes, you're successful. Yes, things are going great in your life, but I got this. This is because of me. When you understand that the God of the universe has you, then you find the different joys in the different seasons of life. If you are in good times, don't, don't think, man, the storm is right around the corner. I better prepare for it. No, enjoy the season. Enjoy life. Enjoy it at that time. Enjoy God's goodness. If you're in bad times, don't, don't sit there and ponder all day long. I just can't wait to get out of this and better things to come. No, God has something for you to learn. He's trying to change something about you. Enjoy that season. Enjoy life in the pain. Because Jesus Christ is with you. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. And there is a purpose in every season. Father, I thank you that you have not left my life to chance. Father, I thank you that my life is not just random incidents, but they're appointed from you, the good and the bad. Father, I pray that in the turbulent times we can sing, it is well with my soul. 
Father, because you have appointed those turbulent times. Lord, in the times of abundance, we can praise and sing and be joyous and we can enjoy it and not feel ashamed or guilt because it is from you. Father, in the times of loss and despair, it is well with our soul because you are residing within our hearts. And so, Father, when we feel most abandoned by you, may we remember that you are there, that you are with us. And, Father, when we are celebrating and, and we forget that it's because of your goodness and grace, may we also remember you are with us in those moments and that you have an eternal plan and eternal purpose. And as Carvin's talked about last week, Sometimes we sing in the middle of a prison, not for our own joy, but so that someone next to us may come to know you as their Lord and Savior. So while we don't see the end all the time, may we faithfully steward the good message forward. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.